Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. The cost of childcare is pushing families into poverty. We haven't just got a cost of living crisis in the UK. For families of young children, we've got a cost of working crisis. It seems like the system is created only for the, the benefits is only for the low income and then the childcare is only for the people who can with a higher income and what happens to the people in the middle there are a number of different factors that are pushing up childcare prices we've seen them go up by five percent this year some of that is driven by the shortages in childcare. others are around the inflation running at high rate national minimum wage rising which are all good things but what we found is that it's families that are bearing the brunt The summer holidays are now underway, but with the soaring costs of childcare, this presents a very harsh reality for parents. According to a survey by charity Coram Family and Childcare, holiday childcare for the entire break can cost as much as £900 for every school-age child, which is 5% more than last year. But the problem doesn't end with the school holidays, as the affordability of childcare, or lack of, is forcing parents, most commonly mothers, to reduce their hours or stop working completely. Today, we'll be deep diving into the childcare crisis hitting the UK and as always we'll be bringing you heaps of advice along the way and to do this we're joined by witch journalist Matthew Jenkin and special guest Jolie Greeley CEO of the organisation Pregnant Then Screw which is a brilliant charity campaigning to end discrimination of working mothers it's so so good to have you both on the show thank you very much for having me thanks for having us Well, I'd really like to start on a point that, as listeners will know, we've had many discussions on the podcast about what makes up our largest outgoings each month. And usually here, mortgage or rent comes out top. But research from Pregnant Then Screwed shows that for nearly two thirds of families, childcare fees are costing as much as mortgage and rent payments. Dwelly, this is shocking and it really puts in perspective how unaffordable it is. So can you talk to us about what kind of effect this is having on parents with young children? Yeah, um, so the cost of childcare is pushing families into poverty. We we haven't just got a cost of living crisis in the UK. For families of young children, we've got a cost of working crisis. One in four are having to skip meals or foregoing heating and fuel in order to pay for childcare. And let's remember that this is a cost parents are paying so that they can go to work and contribute not only to the economy, but financially contribute to their own families. And we know that almost half of all working mums are considering leaving their job because of childcare costs. 
Recent data from the Office of National Statistics found that for women between the ages of 25 to 34 years old, the number that are cons- that have recently left their job to care for family, so are now considered economically inactive, it has increased by 15% in the last year. Wow. That's a massive jump. And it's absolutely mm. terrifying as to what that will do to our economy, what it will do to women's careers and their future earning potential. And we we can only really put this down to the cost of childcare because incomes have stagnated, salaries have stagnated, but the cost of childcare continues to rise. Mm. And when we're in the middle of a cost of living crisis, and um, for the majority of families, their biggest outgoing is their childcare costs, then something's got to give. And so that we can see it really now is impacting women in their careers. And that's impacting children, because of course, if you only have one earner in a household, you're much more likely to live in poverty. One of the more terrifying statistics that we found in our recent research was there were 1,600 women who had had an abortion in the last five years. And 63% of those women said that childcare costs were a factor in their decision to terminate pregnancy. One in five said it was the key reason that they terminated their pregnancy. And we've been talking a lot about our baby shortage. We Women women are just not having the amount of babies mm. that we need them to, to sustain our economy. And, you know, when we look at statistics like that, it's very obvious that not only is the childcare sector pushing families into poverty, it's also going to be a con- key contributor to the downfall of our future economy if we don't fix it urgently. Gosh, that last stat really is is horrifying. Um, well, well, let's hear more on this from one of our listeners. Um, we've been speaking to Lynn about how soaring childcare costs have forced her to make difficult decisions around her career. And I'm sure this will resonate with many. Let's hear Lynn's story. I remember when I, my daughter was six months old and I was thinking of going back to work and progressing in my career and stuff. But I checked with all my local nurseries and they gave me ridiculous costs. Um, there were the quotes around 1,800 to 2,300 for the nursery full time. And I was like, that is more than what I can actually earn. So we have taken a decision that I will stay at home and look after the children because we just couldn't afford it. We both are foreigners. So we came to the UK for a better future. So we have to work really hard. And the plan was really great because I thought, you know, I'll do a degree, I'll start a career, in two years' time maybe we can, you know, uh, save some money and work out to the mortgage. But then things happen, you know, and we never managed to get the mortgage. We never managed to get into the mortgage ladder. So only going to, trying to rent the place at that time was quite difficult. But we were lucky enough and we managed to find a place. We have got lovely landlords, luckily. But uh, yeah, the rent cost is is very expensive. So whatever my partner earns through these years, that was just barely just covering for the rent and a little bit of expenses of life. So because of that, I started freelancing. So I worked while my children were at home, but they are not very big projects. So that is very little what I have earned. Um, We did actually apply for some benefit schemes. We had child benefits and we had um, child tax credit. 
from what my partner was earning. But to be honest, this kind of benefit system is not ideal because it makes you depend so much on it, on on the system that you really cannot crawl out. It seems like the system is created only for the you know the benefits is only for the low income, and then the childcare is only for the people who can with a higher income. And what happens to the people in the middle, the working class people like myself, who needs to work and who wants to work? and paying taxes and stuff and then you feel like you don't get the help back when you actually need it. We really appreciate you sharing your story with us Lynn and being so honest because I'm sure so many of our listeners will be able to relate. You raise such an important question around whether the system is working for people on lower and middle incomes who, who can't afford childcare which I'd like to come back to in a moment but first Lynn also mentions some support that she's been able to benefit from and whether you're working or not and depending on your income there are a number of different schemes out there to help you pay for childcare. Now before we talk about how far they actually go to solve the problem of sky high costs can we hear what they are what are the ways to save on childcare? Uh, yeah there are a number of schemes uh, introduced by the government to support working parents with childcare. Uh, i'd say number one would be the uh, tax-free childcare, and and that that can be used to reduce the cost I mean, it works a little bit like this so under, under the scheme you can claim back about 25 percent of your childcare costs include and that includes some holiday provision and so long as you or your partner if you have one are working and earn at least national minimum wage or living wage for 16 hours a week to get started all you need to do is set up an online account and and that can be used to manage payments to your childcare provider. To put it into perspective, for you know, for every eight pounds you deposit, so the government will pay in two pounds, and that's up to the value of five hundred pound every three months, or or one thousand pound if your a child is uh, disabled. The other big one um, is fifteen and thirty three hours of childcare a week. So basically, that is a, a for anyone whose uh, child is three and four years old. And all in, all children in England that fall into that age range are eligible for it, but they uh, must be uh, in childcare for about 38 weeks a year. You or your partner must be in work and, and earn at least the sort of national uh, minimum wage or, or living wage. How much will you get? Well, you won't get paid, but the funding is sent to your childcare provider from your local council, um, so you'll benefit uh, from free services. So another way that you can uh, benefit is if you check for benefit-related childcare help. So if you've already received working tax credit, you might be able to receive the childcare elements of the benefit payment. So as long as the childcare you use is registered and your, your children are aged 15 or under, the extra payment can help with the costs of holiday play schemes as well, even if the childcare is only for a short period. The working tax credit element means you get up to 70% off what you pay for childcare and up to a maximum of £175 a week for one child or £300 uh, for two or more children. Universal credit, which is uh, gradually replacing other benefits, including tax credits, also has a childcare element. You may be able to claim up to 85% in childcare costs to a maximum of £646 a month for one child or £1,108 for two or more children. This childcare element will be included with your overall payment. 
Now, the government has been very keen to promote the likes of, of tax-free childcare and 30 hours free as a way to help parents manage the cost. That um, They also just relaxed the care to child ratio, saying this will help cut, cut costs too. But Joelle, it really does seem like these schemes and, any, and in any recent changes barely scratch the surface of the help people need and the underlying problem we're facing in the UK, as we heard from Lynn earlier. I mean, that's that's very true. It needs radical reform in order to make uh, childcare accessible and affordable. The tax-free childcare scheme has existed for seven years and it's not working. And so mm. promoting it, I think, really is just, um, I mean, it's essentially polishing a turd, as we like to say uh, in Yorkshire, because, you know, you're promoting something that has had seven years chance mm. to work and it's still not working. Uh, we do know there is a small proportion of families who don't know about tax-free childcare. Um, and so it can save them 20% on their costs. So we would recommend that people do uh, apply for it if they haven't done already. But really, we need much firmer, stronger mm. investment in the childcare sector in order to make it more affordable. In terms of ratios and the proposal from the government to increase ratios for two-year-olds, Uh, What our findings show that this actually won't reduce costs for parents. It's the the majority of providers that we have surveyed um, have said that any cost savings wouldn't be passed on to parents. It was a very small proportion that said that they would. And even then you were looking at about two pounds per week saving, which really isn't going to make a big dent in it. But also nobody wants ratios to change. Childcare providers don't want ratios to change because they're already hemorrhaging staff. Childcare workers are leaving the sector in droves because they're so badly paid and they're so undervalued and overworked. And if you increase ratios, of course, you're not increasing pay, but you are increasing workload. So we're only going to see more childcare staff leave the sector. Um, And ultimately, it will also decrease quality because all of the research shows that if you have smaller child to staff ratios, then the quality is higher. So um, increasing ratios is a really failed policy suggestion from the government. Now, if we compare the situation in the UK to how other countries are dealing with it, according to the National Childbirth Trust, UK families spend an average of £1,200 a month on childcare for the under twos. But other countries in Europe offer free or heavily subsidised childcare for preschoolers. And Nordic countries seem to be leading the way here. In Finland, the state provides universal daycare from the moment a parent returns to work. In Denmark, according to the OECD, the cost of nursery is calculated based on income and comes to about £400. 150 a month, which is much less than half the figure I, I just gave for the UK. Dwelly, why is the UK so far behind in its offering? I think one of the key problems was that during the David Cameron election, uh, they offered 30 hours free childcare to over three-year-olds as part of their manifesto pledge. And of course, this was implemented, although it's not free, it's subsidised. It was underfunded by about £3 per child per hour. And the government knew that they were underfunding that scheme 
the Early Years Alliance did a Freedom of Information request and discovered that it was purposefully underfunded and that ministers did know that this would mean costs would have to be passed down the chain to younger children so that childcare providers could stay financially afloat. So what we've seen since that scheme was implemented is that the costs for children under the age of three have gone through the roof. The costs for one and two-year-olds are just astronomical and of course this means that for parents often it's women who take up to 12 months maternity leave and when they're looking at returning to work they're comparing their salary to the cost of childcare, mm. and that's when it's at its most expensive and so many of them are thinking well I just can't afford it I'm going to fall out of the workforce but the the key issue is that our government does not invest in childcare properly they do tell us that they invest you know about five billion pounds a year um, in early years but if you compare that to other countries as a proportion of GDP it's actually very very low and so really the government need to prioritize early years education and we know that for the first 1001 days of a child's life they are the most important they're the most critical to their future and so it doesn't really make sense that the majority of funding per child happens when children are much older usually in secondary school um, and even further education why are we not leveling out that Mm. funding so that uh, children under the age of five have a much higher proportion of that fun- that funding per child. And, and on top of childcare costs soaring, there's also the issue of fewer childcare providers available in the UK. An alarming 57% of local authorities now report having enough childcare places available for the under twos, which is down from 72% uh, from last year. Uh, Jolie, can you shed, shed some light on what's behind the, the lack of availability and, and where these shortages are most severe? We lost 4,000 childcare providers net between uh, March. 2020 in March 2021 and one of the key reasons why we lost so many in that period was because of the pandemic and so of course during the pandemic parents were keeping their children at home because they were worried about infection levels or because they were furloughed and so they didn't need childcare and childcare providers are funded based on the number of children in their care. Initially the government decided that they would fund fund childcare places based on pre-pandemic levels but they changed that in December 2020 and started to fund childcare providers based on the number of children currently in their care which of course was a lot less than it had been previously and so that meant their funding was slashed for many of them and so of course they couldn't continue to operate because their income wasn't enough. So we have lost as I say, 4,000 childcare providers in that year alone. Um, And we're not seeing things improving because the problem still exists. We're still seeing that there are fewer children uh, attending childcare than there were previously, in part because the costs have increased and wages have stagnated. And so the only way that we will see more childcare providers is if the government, again, funds providers so that they can be financially resolute and stay afloat. And while we're on this, with such a lack of availability, what tips do you have for parents to help their child get a place at a nearby nursery? 
I mean, it's really difficult because there are so few places that I would say you have to register your child as early as possible. And our research with 27,000 parents in March 2022 found that 42% of parents said that their local childcare provider had a waiting list that was at least six months, if not more. Mm. And one in five parents said that their local childcare provider had closed in the last 12 months. So the key thing that I would suggest is get your child registered as soon as you possibly can. However, you know, that can cause problems in it, in and of itself, because we know that some parents are registering their child before they're born. We heard from one woman who registered her child when she was three months pregnant, had to pay quite a large deposit to hold the place. And then sadly, lost the baby and didn't get the deposit back. So it it sort of seems very unreasonable as mm. well that parents are forced into this position of registering their children before they are even born. But sadly, in order to secure a high quality place at your local childcare provider, that is what I would suggest you have to do. And can we just touch on, on the responsibility of employers here too? When it comes to supporting parents with childcare and settling back into the workplace, how can they help? We would suggest that employers have, um, they set up on-site creches if they can. Mm. If this is, you know, we've, we're currently in a recruitment crisis. We've got a skills gap. We've got um, the great resignation. Companies are desperate to recruit skilled staff. And they are, as a result of that, implementing better flexible working. They're looking at their parental leave policies. But very few companies are looking at how they solve the childcare crisis for their employees. And if they do that, then they will see the number of parents who apply for jobs at their organization drastically increase. This was done in America, Patagonia were the first company to have on-site childcare. And they said that it saved them money in the long run because the retention rates of staff increased dramatically. And also in terms of recruitment, they had way more people applying for jobs, highly skilled Mm. women often. And it also changes the dynamic for employees because you're not just colleagues anymore. Your children play together. You become part of each other's family. And so that increases well-being. It increases bonding between the team. There are loads of benefits to having on-site childcare. Now, of course, not every company can do that, but they can strike relationships with local childcare providers to secure places. They can also um, work with other suppliers such as Bubble, who um, provide ad hoc childcare should members of your team need it. So, for example, if your child um, can't go into school uh, one day because of teacher training days or should they become a little bit unwell and so you don't want to send them into nursery, then uh, you can get this ad hoc childcare um, that is available to you. So there are a few things that employers can do to bridge this gap. But we would also say to employers, we want you to write to your local MP. We want you to write to the government and to say that this childcare crisis is not only impacting parents, it's impacting companies as well to recruit because as I said before you have at least 870,000 stay-at-home mums who want to work but can't and these are highly skilled women that we need in our workforce. You know many employers since the pandemic have already sort of embraced hybrid working. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people already have experience of that where employees will you know split their week between the office and home or remote location you know but on top of that you know any employees with 26 weeks of service with the same employer 
has the right to make a request to work flexibly. You don't have to be a parent or carer, but um, obviously it's something that can really help being able to sort of juggle childcare. What does flexible working mean? It means it just means simply means altering the way you work. You know, for for example, you know could, that could be reducing your hours, work part time, could be changing your start and finish times. That can help with sort of pickups and drop-offs at school you know having flexibility with your start and finish time you know doing um doing your hours over fewer days you know what's called compressed hours another way that you know employers uh, can support uh, parents is through shared parental leave and that you know that, that gives parents a lot of uh, you know greater flexibility in how they can care for their child it allows birth mothers to share a portion of maternity leave and pay with their their partners to care for children from birth until their first birthday and it can also be used for parents who are adopting or having a baby through surrogacy as well. Well, despite the help that might be off, on offer for some, as we've been hearing today, it's still sadly not always enough. And now entering the summer holidays, women in particular are being forced to reduce their hours. This is something Megan Jarvie, head of the charity Coram Family and Childcare, has been telling us about. There are a number of different factors that are pushing up childcare prices. We've seen them go up by 5% this year. Um, Some of that is driven by the shortages in childcare. Others are around um, the inflation running at high rate, uh, national minimum wage rising, which are all good things. But what we found is that it's families that are bearing the brunt of the price rises. They're not always able to get uh, the help with costs that make it affordable for them to go out to work. And the result of that is that parents are often having to make really difficult decisions about whether it does actually pay for them to go out to work. And we know that some parents and mothers in particular end up reducing hours or stop working entirely during the school holidays because it simply doesn't pay for them to be working. And now for the last part of the show, can we bring it back to the summer holidays for your tips on balancing childcare and work and and also keeping the kids entertained with free and cheap things to do and for this we're also joined by witch journalist Grace Witherden. Grace thank you for coming on the show. Do you want want to start us off with some of the best deals you've been seeing on things to do over the holidays? Yeah so we've been looking around for deals and the best things on offer every week at Witch and we've been trying to update this list to make sure we've got the best deals. Um, There's so many being announced every week, particularly with eating out. We've seen some of the big supermarkets launching schemes, especially to help feed kids over the holidays. The best deals we've seen are from Asda and Tesco. So at Tesco, kids can eat free meals with any adult club card holder purchase um, at 311 of its cafes. And this is available um, until the 26th of August. It means you can go in a Tesco cafe and spend as little as 60p on a piece of fruit and claim one kid's meal. And Asda is doing a similar scheme where kids can get a hot or cold meal for just one pound at Asda Cafe seven days a week until the 4th of September, um, irrespective of what you spend in Asda. So that they're two of the best deals, though. A number of mm. restaurants have got deals on um, where kids eat free with an adult meal purchase. So that's a good option if you're planning on eating out anyway. Uh, but the best thing about the supermarket deals is that you really don't have to spend much to mm, get your yeah. kid a, a meal, which is good if it's something that you struggle with over the holidays, particularly with children missing out on free school meals and then if you're planning a big day out my one tip for this is to really plan ahead don't show up on the day and buy tickets Mm. it really pays to do your research before um particularly say with theme parks and big days out if you've been saving up to take your children to maybe legoland or fort park there are a number of like vouchers and offers you can use i actually noticed um on my crunchy nut cereal the other day there was a voucher (laughs) um and it was 
um, a kids go free on the day when you purchase an adult ticket. So that's on a lot of Kellogg's cereals at the minute. Um, and you just like take the code and when you book you and you can book it online before and national rail have a really good deal where if you're getting train tickets to someone you often get two for one entry into an attraction so if mm-hmm. you were planning a day into london you can obviously save money on your train ticket and we've got plenty of advice on our website how to save money on train tickets and you also get two for one entry into attractions like london zoo kew gardens london eye it doesn't have to be in london there's loads up and down the country uh, like sea life brighton and ghost tours in edinburgh for theater london theaters are uniting for a kids week for all of august so they've got a kids go free scheme and this means that yeah when you buy a full price adults ticket your, your, your child gets to go for free or if you've got two children they each get half priced entry there are a number of things going on but if you've just shown up on the day it's unlikely you would have spotted all of this so definitely look at where you want to go before do a bit of research online see if there's any vouchers um or any deals and we've got loads of offers on our website Thanks, Grace. Loads of great stuff there. Um, And and Jolie and Matthew, can we have some of your general tips on balancing childcare and and work? Sure. I mean, uh, one of my, uh, uh, so obviously it's the summer holidays. I've got, um, uh, I have a five-year-old, so she's uh, currently in school. So my my number one tip uh, for the holidays, I mean, for for us, um, we're both working. Uh, My husband uh, is self-employed, so we we can't take a massive amount of time off. So we have invested in a holiday club, five weeks. Um, um, But uh, it seems like a long time, but but she actually gets a lot out of it. It's very sort of um, uh, focused on sort of sports and activities, and she really loves it. She makes new friends. So, you know, there's a bit of parent guilt there, but, Mm but she's definitely having a good time uh, but my, my my number one tip for that is to book early so could this be a cheaper alternative to you know formal childcare? Um, it is uh, cheap. I would say it's cheaper. Than my, so what my youngest is actually um, currently in full t- uh, full time sort of childcare at a private uh, run nursery, and uh, it's definitely cheaper than that. Mm-hmm. When you sort of add up the costs, um, and I, you know, the cost of actually my the cost of my partner having to take time off, it, it definitely works out. Sort of in our case, um, uh, it's more affordable to put her into. Uh, a, a holiday club during the break but obviously everyone's financial you know, circumstances are different but it's definitely yeah I mean I, I, I don't mind saying how much we're paying we, we're, it's about 30 34 pounds a day which sounds like a lot but then when I take into account you know things that I might be doing with her during the day you know in order to fulfill the time um, I'm not sure I'd be paying you know that much less. If you're eligible for free school meals then you are also eligible for free childcare over the summer from uh, your local council so uh, do some research on that and see what you can find locally Uh, if you can work remotely then what I do because I can work remotely is I go to the local soft play center (laughs) and pay for us all to get in and they've got good wi-fi and I can sit and work and the kids play and run around and they come back to me when they're hungry and they want a drink Um, if you can't work remotely then um what we have done previously is have a good uh, relationship with local parents and we do and we swap so on some days that I would look after their kids and vice versa so that each of us are able to work thank you and I mean is there a, a final kind of golden nugget piece of advice that, that you would give for parents during this time I would say 
do talk to your employer as early as you can about it to um, arrange flexibility. Remember, you don't want to make an official flexible working request because that then becomes part of your contract. Uh, It's just an informal flexible working request, but make sure that they know as early as possible the challenges that you're experiencing and Mm -hmm. hopefully they will be uh, flexible around your childcare needs. Thank you so much to to Grace and Matthew and Jolie for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you have any questions you'd like us to cover in the show or even dedicate an episode to, then please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or drop us an email at podcast at witch.co.uk. Please do also subscribe to the show to make sure you catch us again next week. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Grace Witherden. Mm-hmm.